Hello and welcome to welcome to the AEW Match Guide Podcast Revolution Preview. I believe in the background you should be able to hear some pump up theme songs because we're going to have a really fun night here tonight. Um, for those of you who are tuning into the podcast, we've got something a little bit different today. Uh, instead of doing the normal Match Guide Podcast, we're going to be previewing Revolution, the pay per view that is happening on the weekend. I'm Sam Brown. And I'm going live on YouTube. Um, So for those of you who are joining me live in the chat, I really thank you. This is the home of the AEW Match Guide podcast. This is where the magic happens. Uh, And look, I I really thank you for joining me. I'm looking forward to doing this. Uh, A few weeks ago, I put up a Twitter poll on my Twitter. So if you're not following me on there, Sir underscore Samuel, uh, I put up a Twitter poll and said, would you like me to do the normal Match Guide podcast this week or would you like me to preview Revolution? And overwhelmingly, I actually had a number of people vote in that uh, and overwhelmingly came back saying that they would want me to preview Revolution. So here we are. I'm excited. Uh, We haven't done one of these before. If it goes well uh, and if I enjoy it and if you guys enjoy it, then who knows, maybe we'll make this a a thing we do for every pay-per-view beforehand. Uh, And, you know, maybe I'll get some guests on or something uh, down the line because at the moment it is just little old me uh, to keep me company. I have got some of uh, my good friend Lafroig 10. Um, This is one of my favorite whiskeys. I got some for my birthday, which was in January. Uh, I've got that. I've also got a big old cup of tea uh, because, you know, my dad's English. It's just in my blood tea is a thing of comfort and you know at some point tonight i'm probably gonna have a massive technological meltdown because my setup is sketch as uh, and i'm gonna need that comfort (laughs) if you are joining me on the youtube chat um please please pop your name in the chat tell me say hello tell me that everything's working tell me if you can hear me uh or if if you can't hear me or if something's not working please let me know uh of course the aw match guide is brought to you by the social suplex podcast network uh and i would really i would love it if you could go uh onto your podcast provider and if you could give me a rate uh, a rating five stars like whatever it is hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button. Uh, And if you really like what we do here at Social Suplex, if you go to Red Circle, uh, if you just type into Google AW Match Guide Podcast, or if you go to my Twitter, there's links to it every, every week. You can actually donate to us to keep keep the show moving. Uh, it doesn't actually go into my bank account. It goes to providing the the bandwidth. It actually costs money to run a podcast, believe it or not. Uh, and you know we're very fortunate that listeners do chip in enough that we don't have to get out of pocket for that. At, or or at least maybe the boss, <laughs> maybe Jeremy Donovan, the boss uh, at Social Suplex, will tell me differently. But you know that stuff it, it really helps. So if you could redcircle.com. Uh, if you search Social Suplex or AW Match Guide Podcast, you'll be able to find it. And you could donate there. Any, every little bit helps. Uh, and of course, as do those ratings, those reviews and everything. Uh, I thought just to, uh, before we get into the meat and bones of it uh, and, and talk about today for AEW, it was a big day, of course, uh, and also Preview Revolution, which is what we're here to do primarily. Uh, I thought I'd just give you an update on what's going on with the podcast. Of course, uh, it is going really well. I've had the last two weeks have been the biggest, sorry, the last three weeks, I should say, have been the biggest weeks for the podcast in terms of download amounts, uh, which is really exciting to see. I know I do this, the main reason I do it is for the fun of it, but 
at the same time, it is really nice when you see that people are listening uh, and you've got something that's going. So I really appreciate that. I love the engagement I've been getting on social media, particularly Twitter's the main place I do this. Uh, and I do the, the social media for this. And the engagement for that's been going through the roof as well. So I, I really appreciate everyone who's getting involved, who's saying g'day, who's uh, enjoying what we're doing big things happening on the podcast and we've got some really big episodes coming up as well in the in the coming weeks next week is going to be a big one hangman adam page versus kenny omega from full gear 2020 uh so that will be detailing the history the sordid history of those two uh and the match they had as well which is an absolute banger of a match guys if you haven't seen that match in a while you're sleeping on it that's a good match really solid match and doesn't 17 minutes very bite size as well uh, and that's with uh, Caro, Caro Taro from uh, Wrestle Inn. She was actually on the uh, the media call today, uh, which was cool to see. Uh, and then I've got Maki Ito versus Ryu Mizun- Mizunami. And then I'm doing the week after that a big one. I'm going to be covering all four week, all four of the Darby Allen versus Cody Rhodes matches. Um, so we're kind of looking at a series, which will be a bit different. So that's in three weeks' time, and that's with a guy called Wrestle Rhymes, who's a great follow on Twitter. And then, look, plenty more coming up. Uh, we're going to be doing the Shaq match, which will be fun. Uh, and then, look, towards Double or Nothing, I'm actually thinking I'll be doing you know, a big bumper edition. I will be looking at the stadium stampede. Uh, so that is very exciting and it's going to be a lot of notes for me going through it. And of course, when Double or Nothing hits, for those of you who have been following since the start of this, since before we had a podcast, since we did the match guide, the actual list, the original list for the best... 50 matches for the first two years of AEW history. That was from Double or Nothing 2019 to Double or Nothing 2021. So we've got a new Double or Nothing rolling around, and I figure we should probably do another match, guy. So we'll be covering most like I'm 99% sure most likely just be this year, unless I get, you know, a lot of people really craving to do another all all time list but most likely we'll be just doing for for this year and then it'll become a rolling thing right every year we cover the double or nothing to double or nothing because that's the anniversary of the company's birth that's the first event the company had uh so that's kind of like a year for the company good time to do it so that that'll be happening if you want to be involved if you want to actually submit uh your votes then reach out to me on twitter on wherever you I mean, you probably found me on Twitter, wherever you find me, reach out uh, and let me know because I'd love to get more people involved. We had about 30 last time uh, and I did, I was selective with it. So if your name's WWE Gareth, piss off, you're not going to be invited. Um, But you know, (laughs) there's, you know, if you're, if you're a good faith member of the AEW fan base, I want to get you in that. I want to make this thing big uh, and but I don't want it to just be... I want it to be people who, who do think deeply about it, who engage deeply with what the matches are. Uh, I'm not looking for just, you know, a, a tick and flick exercise. Uh, I want it to be something that's special uh, and something that's important, and I want the result to mean something. And for that to be the case, we need to have quality contributors. So if you want to be involved, reach out, Sir underscore Samuel. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. But you didn't come here to hear me talk about the podcast all day long. And came here for some AEW content. And it was a big day for AEW. A really big day for AEW. Uh, of course, 
I'm going live, for those of you who don't know, I'm going live Thursday night in Australia. Dynamite happens midday Thursday here, um, so it's still technically today <laughs> that Dynamite happened for me. Um, but yeah, look, today AEW announced that they had well, Tony Khan specifically announced that he'd purchased Ring of Honor. Uh, and that's a huge thing, right? Like, just by itself, with before we know anything about what they're going to be doing with it, that's a huge thing. Ring of Honor has been a giant promotion. And in many ways, uh, the reason I think that this is such a great thing as well, not just for AEW, because it's a great thing for AEW, but for wrestling generally, um, in, instead of having this getting slapped up by, or, or snapped up by WWE or you know, some other conglomerate, is that AEW very much is the spiritual successor to ROH. Uh, I know that the Elite, Cody, the Bucks, Kenny Omega, of course, he was New Japan, but they had that partnership. Um, they really wanted to push ROH to be bigger. And, and ROH, of course, had that Sinclair money, um, which, you know, could have stretched if they wanted to invest, but they just didn't want to. And so that's one of the reasons that Tony Khan was able to swoop in and, and take not just the Bucks, of course, and, and Cody, but a number of, of that. It, you know, <laughs> ROH effectively died in 2019, even though it only stopped in 2021. It called an end to things in 2021. Like, it, it took the kill shot in 2019 when so many people left it. And it, it really only had its own... Um, you know, its own lack of ambition from its owners to to thank for that. They were doing great things. Um, and then if they, they did have other things that happened in 2019 that I don't want to get into, you know, like the, the stuff that happened at MSG. We're not here to write, <laughs> read the writs to, to ROH. But it's a really exciting thing because that's a, it, well, it's a prestigious company. It's a company that has got a lot of history that has produced the majority of wrestling talent that wrestles in big companies in in uh, America, not so not just AEW. You know, you're talking WWE. You look at their the wrestlers that are a big deal. You know, Kevin Kevin Owens. He's about to have a match with Stone Cold. ROH talent. Seth Rollins. ROH talent. Sami Zayn. The the list goes on. Like I could, you could sit here and go through their roster and list off all day long people who've wrestled in ROH. And of course, AEW. As I said, it's a spiritual successor to ROH. All in was. I mean, of course, we know that the Bucks and Cody put the, the dollars up for it, but ROH lent a lot of talent. They lent the gear that was being used. They had the they went, lent the camera crew. I'm not sure how true this is or not, but apparently a lot of ROH signatures on checks paying for that, and they've got the rights to all in at the moment on in their video library. Uh, so just AEW having that, or Tony Khan, the owner of AEW, also owning that is a big thing. And, of course, for those of you who, who have been keeping up with the news, Cassidy Haynes, who's had a number of huge AEW scoops. He was the guy that first announced that um, Brian Danielson was coming to AEW. Uh, he exclusively announced that the plans at the moment that were being thrown around was that ROH would be a touring, a touring company and they would be used as effectively like a developmental territory for for AEW, which is, you know, fantastic because AEW's got so much talent and there's so much talent out there in in American wrestling at the moment. I think a developmental ta- a developmental place would be perfect. You know, dark and elevation are one thing, but uh, it's another to to have like a, a separate a separate uh, promotion altogether where, you know, it's not just some throwaway YouTube thing. Your name is on the your name is on the on the poster so to speak, if you're, you know, maybe say, I don't know, 
say, Alan Angels or Daniel Garcia or, you know, maybe Dante Martin does a, does a shot down there. Or, or, you know, any number of people that... Uh, Sean Dean, Shoddy Lee Johnson, you know, guys who have that talent but just need something to do and that's a real challenge for them as opposed to being on dark or elevation where, you know, they might get their rounds in that way, but it's, you know, they're not drawing, so to speak. They're still relying on the AEW brand name to draw and the stars of AEW to draw. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen to to the ROH beyond that, really. Who who knows? There's so many options that could be up in the air for it. Uh, you know, streaming services for the the library that AEW and now ROH have, and they could potentially combine together, you know. ROH have already got a streaming service, of course, as well. Who knows? Huge day, though. Huge news, and apparently more big news to come this weekend. So that's very exciting. I'm not going to speculate as to what other news could come. Uh, there's been a lot of talk around HBO potentially being a streaming service of choice for AEW to put their content on. Who knows what's going to happen? Something. There's there's lots of irons in the fire, I imagine. <laughs> I'm just going to have a swig of water before we get into this preview. Uh, I'm just going to check the chat. So, no one in the chat so far. I do have a couple of questions that people have sent in, so I appreciate that. I'll be shouting out those questions as we go. Uh, let me just have a quick... I'll quickly pull up my notes here. So, let's get to these matches, hey? I'm just going to pull up. I've got some slides for each match. There we go. Oh, here we go. Yep. There we go. So, the first match we've got. I'm going to go down this with the championship matches, and then I've kind of gone in, you know, level of importance. Just That's very subjective for me. But uh, the first one we're looking at, Adam Page versus Adam Cole for the AEW World Championship. Of course, this is going to be the main event for Revolution. That's already been announced. Uh, I, I do really like that these two are getting the chance to main event. Uh, in many ways, it feels like a new era, of course, the main event for different shows has has kind of swung about a little bit. You've mainly had the AEW Championship in it, but you have had the two stadium stampedes that main evented. Uh, but I, I like that these two are getting a, a chance because previously it's always been Mox, Omega, or Jericho in the main event. Uh, and they are very much like really established stars. And I'm not saying by any means that Adam Cole is an AEW made star <laughs> far from it um but these guys are from a different generation to those three um of course jericho's from a different generation to mox and omega altogether but mox and omega are sort of like late 30s um they really are right at towards the end of their peak at the moment uh and and they they played a very important role and so did jericho in, in building up the company building up the prestige of the aw championship but now it's Hangman and Adam Page. Uh, Hangman, Adam Page, and Adam Cole. <laughs> the Battle of the Atoms. <laughs> they, and, and they're both early 30s guys, so they're like in the prime of their career. And that feels very special that this is an event that is a, almost a passing of the torch, or it's just a different feel to it because it's a different generation taking up the mantle. It's like in uh, 2014, uh, in the WWE, you had Seth Rollins and, and Dean Ambrose. They were the first two people 
who two stars who debuted, two wrestlers who debuted in the 2010s to main event a pay-per-view together. Uh, and that was like almost a passing of the torch thing. And and this is that's what this is as well. Uh, it's it's a big thing for Hangman to step up in, you know, and and Adam Cole as well. Because, you know, Adam Cole hasn't had... He hasn't been completely shooting out the lights since he uh, since he joined AEW. I have had my doubts at different points with Adam Cole. I'd known he'd get it right. He's, he's such a good wrestler. But he hasn't always looked like, you know, this killer superstar that he did in, you know, maybe 2019, 2020, when he was absolutely smashing things in, in NXT. Of course, Hangman at the moment is it. In an absolutely giant, is in a giant purple patch. He is in the absolute form of his career. You think about the matches he's had this year. Uh, he had the match against Brian Ca- or last year, sorry, um, the match against Brian Cage. That awesome five man tag, the the main the main event against Omega, then the two matches against Danielson, and then the match last week or a few weeks ago now, but a few weeks ago against. Lance Archer, every time this guy gets in the ring, he is absolutely smashing it out out of the park. And Adam Cole is a guy who can absolutely go. I hope these two get, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. They're, they can both go long. We've seen that. Like, Adam, Adam Page went for an hour with Brian Danielson, and it was great. Like, it was fantastic. And Adam Cole has gone for some really long matches in NXT, like high 40 minutes, I think. Maybe even 50 minutes. If don't get, I, I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But, you know, these guys can go long. I hope they don't go too long. Um, they're both really smart with the match layout, so I don't think they will. But I know that Adam Cole in the past has relied, you know, a lot on finisher kickouts and finisher spam in NXT. Uh, that hasn't been what Hangman Adam Page has ever done in AEW. So hopefully they'll find out a halfway. Personally, I like Adam Page's style a little bit more. Um, particularly their champions have always had really emphatic finishes and the matches have been around getting those finishes off. You think about like the Judas effect, the paradigm shift, the one-winged angel, all of those are like one-hit kills or, you know, if, if someone manages to kick out of it, it's a big deal. And that's the way they've built up the buckshot lariat as well. Um, and Adam Cole is such a smart counter-wrestler as well. So the work around the buckshot lariat, we've already seen it in the, you know, the build-up with the tag matches and the back-and-forth they've had. I think that will be, be very smart. Uh, the real X factor in this match, though, the thing that I think will provide the real emotional hook for it will be, the, no doubt, the involvement of Red Dragon. I've got absolutely no doubt that they will get involved at some point, but I'll be interested to see how the Young Bucks respond. Of course, you had, uh, in in the Full Gear main event, you had them giving Matt Jackson, giving the nod to Hangman emotionally and, I guess, spiritually finally cornering him uh when he la- when he when he needed giving the final nod being like yes you can do this before he deposed Kenny Omega as AEW champion spiritually cornering him and while like he's not about to invite them down straight away they have been involved somewhat in the build up to this you had that segment last week where Red Dragon attacked him or maybe the week before. Yeah, well, last week. he No, he went out and attacked Red Dragon. 
and the Bucks sort of just stood and they they let him have it. They didn't back up Red Dragon in that instance. And there was, of course, interplay between Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, but and and Red Dragon had just betrayed the Young Bucks, so the Bucks were a bit pissed off at them. But also, earlier in the night, these two are going to be in a tag match together, a tag team championship match together, no, no less. So there's that, that potential for wanting recriminations for injustices that have happened earlier in the night and, you know, the the depth of character and uh, story investment between the Bucks and Hangman is is just <laughs> so much of it. <laughs> There's so much of it. Uh, and I really hope they do mine it and I hope they use it because, you know, you're leaving something on the table in this match if you don't. Who's going to win it? I think there's a chance that Adam Cole wins it. I don't. I do think there's a chance. Tony Khan likes Adam Cole. Uh, he said that he was the one that he feared in NXT um, when they were going head to head. Adam Cole has shown that he can be a serious champion. That he can be a very good champion. Excuse me while I take drink this tea. That he can be a compelling champion. And you know, if Red Dragon win the championships earlier in the night. That really sets the scene for Adam Cole and Red Dragon to to reign supreme in AEW in 2022. Having said that, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to go a different way. I think, as I said, Hangman Page is just in this incredible purple patch. and I think they should keep the title on him. I think they will keep the title on him. And I think this reign that he is pulling off right now is going to be like a legendary reign. The defenses he's had already have been fantastic. If this one comes off well, you know, like a four and a half star match or above, it's just going to keep adding to this legacy that he's building, this Palmeras of just incredible matches that he's had. You know, I imagine there's going to be at least one in between now and Double or Nothing. I don't foresee him losing it before Double or Nothing. Uh, At least one more, and then you've got another big pay-per-view main event potentially. This, this championship reign is something special for Hangman Adam Page. Uh, and, and I, for one, I'm really enjoying it. And I, for one, really hope it goes on longer. I also think they spent so long building up Hangman Adam Page. I don't think they're just going to, to keep him as champion for one pay-per-view cycle, given the amount of investment they put into him storyline-wise, building him up to be... You know, the story of the first two years of the promotion was the story of Hangman Page. Two and a half years of the promotion was the story of Hangman Adam Page. He was the guy who revealed this, who revealed that AEW was going to be a thing back at the Tokyo Dome. Like he was the first person to ever show that publicly. Uh, this has been something they have been planning for a long, 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 long time. Uh, and I am very quickly verging into territory that we'll be covering on the podcast next week when we talk about Hangman and Kenny Omega. Um, so I'll, I'll keep myself succinct. Well, not really very succinct because I've already blabbered on for ages about it, but uh, I'll stop myself now. Hangman Adam Page, he is going to be the one uh, to take this. Second match that we're going to cover, Britt Bay, well, I predict he's going to be the one to take it. Second match, match, second match, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. And I've actually got a question about this one. From Joey O'Doherty from Voices of Wrestling, also starting a podcast called Wild Thing, a podcast about John Moxley, um, which yours truly will be appearing on the debut episode. I'm not sure when it's going to drop, but keep an eye on Joey O'Doherty. He's also a great Twitter follow. Shouts to Joey. Um, 
Yeah, him and I will be talking about Dean Ambrose versus William Regal from FCW. A great, great feud if you've never seen it. Anyway, here's a question about Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Britt Baker could lose her title Sunday. Would you agree that her reign has been one giant holding pattern since winning it? And overall, it's underwhelming. Uh, For those of you who do follow me on social media, you'll know that I haven't been a great fan of Britt's title reign. Um, I've never actually honestly been the biggest fan of Britt Baker um, at all. (laughs) I very (laughs) infamously gave her, when I did an article back in like really early 2020, uh, this was before she'd really got, she maybe only had like one promo as her character and I was rating the a the AW rookie, so I gave her an E minus. It was the lowest ranking for anyone except for the librarians. Um, so you know that was that was pretty harsh on her early. And of course, I saw the improvement. I'm not I'm not an idiot. I'm not blind. Um, but even so, I I feel like she hasn't really developed her character since she was champ. Uh, since even before she was champ in 2020, uh, and. I don't think she's done all that well in the ring either. Um, so, you know, like, that's the two things you look for, right? Like, you can rely on character or ring in ring. I Ideally, you want to get both going, right? But at least you've got to have one pumping. And I, I feel like she hasn't actually... Her strength is character, obviously. and she ha- But she hasn't really been shooting the lights out in that aspect at all. I think part of it, though, is she hasn't really been helped by the booking of it. And, and Joey kind of mentions this or, or alludes to it in this question where he says, has it just been one giant holding pattern? I feel like she really hasn't had any realistic challenges. Um, it's felt like this match with Thunder Rose has been like plastered on the wall since before she even won the title from Hikaru Shida. Uh, and uh, that's been really to the detriment of of the matches because as I said, the matches haven't been great, but you know, if there was actually a question mark in some of the matches, maybe it would have been more, you know, I think the closest we've had was the Ruby Soho. And and I was saying switch the title there just to throw a cat amongst the pigeons. Cause no one thinks that Britt Baker's going to lose right now, but there's a chance that Ruby Soho could do it. She is, you know, someone who I guess could do it. Um, and at the time was sort of riding a wave of momentum after her debut. She had some good promos early on. And I was saying, switch the title. Britt Baker can win it back quickly, but, you know, at least then it it adds some uncertainty to what felt like, well, a holding pattern, really, as Joey said. Uh, And and I I don't think Britt's title reign's been helped by that fact. Of course, this match now, this match is great. I do think, well, actually, before I move on to that, one thing I will say is that I do think the women's division has improved while she's been champion. And that's been for a number of things. Firstly, she is undeniably popular. Um, so she has been, you know, that title has been on Dynamite every single week, which isn't something that happened for Karu Shida um, for various reasons. And and part of the reason for that is that Britt Baker is a great promo um, and, and she is very popular and people like doing her chant. So she is on TV just about every week. Uh, and, and a lot of the time live in the ring um, with a microphone in hand or, or wrestling. Uh, so, and, and the women's division in general has just been going better. There's lots of other things that have been contributing to that, but no doubt one of the reasons is Britt Baker. So I do need to give her the credit for that. Uh, this match, though, this is the biggest possible match I think the women could do right now. Um, as I said, 
this was something that felt like it was written in the stars from even before Britt Baker was the champion, um, and sometimes to the detriment of her overall reign. But it has meant that when we've got to it finally, it feels like a big deal. It feels big time, particularly now we've seen them going back and forth on the mic, back and forth in the ring. It feels like a big deal, and it all stems, of course, from the fact the first ma- the, the second match they had, actually. They had a first match, which was just a normal match, um, but they, the second match they had, uh, which Thunder Rosa won, of course, they, was the unsanctioned match, which was just such a blow-away success for the women's division and for both wrestlers. Uh, and so this has been something that people have been clamoring to have again at some point. Uh, and I think now is the perfect time to do it. We've waited long enough. Britt Baker has had a great chance to have a big title reign um, before she's had to do this one again. Uh, and and people have been on the edge of their seats for long enough. You don't want to leave them on the edge of their seats for too long. Um, and But now's the time to do it. Now's the time. The time is right now. And Thunder Rosa is the right person, I think, for this. She has so much fire and spunk the audience believes in her. Um, she reminds me, in a way, she reminds me of like John Moxley or Darby Allen, in that she has all that fire, uh, and she has a bit of violence to her and a bit of edge to her. So she can get away. With, like if she got out a chair and she blasted Britt Baker with a chair, I don't think the crowd would mind too much because of who she is. Um, that's the kind of person that she is, and, and the audience respect that and they like that because you know what she would take a chair to the face herself and keep fighting, and she wouldn't care about it. She wouldn't cry foul um, because that's the kind of person she is. And I th- I think she's a she's potentially a great champion um, if they decide to go with her. And I'll tell you who I, if what I think will happen uh, next. Uh, I do hope they'd get a decent amount of time for their match. Um, they had some weird timing issues in the tag match on Dynamite, like some kind of hesitancy and stuff. Um I hope they work that out before the match. I think these two have great chemistry. We've seen it before. And in a normal match, they've actually had a normal match before as well. And it was, it was pretty decent. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping they get a decent amount of time. I hope they get a good card placement um, where they're not, you know, serving as the come down for a, one of the bigger matches because there's a lot of big matches on this card. Uh, and, you know, if this is going to be the time when they change over, I hope they... They do it in a fitting manner that you know that fits the fact that Britt Baker has had a really high-profile title reign, uh, and I hope that the ball doesn't get dropped for Britt Baker the way it got dropped for Hikaru Shida when she dropped the title, um, which does kind of lead to who I think is going to win. I did have a question um, from Shan: Is Lan who beats Britt Baker? The cheating to win strategy is getting old. I'm not sure it's Thunder Rosa. I think the cheating to win strategy is also getting old, um, and I think Britt, but I think. I do think Thunder Rosa gets this one. I'm not sure why you don't think it's Thunder Rosa, Shani's land. You can reach out to me on Twitter if you want to tell me why. Because you know what? If it isn't Rosa, I don't know who it is. Maybe Hikaru Shida, but you know, she's been out of the country. I feel like if they were going to do Hikaru Shida, she would have probably pounced on her momentum that she had after the Serena Deep feud. Um, but instead of, you know... Yeah, it just makes more sense for Thunder Rosa. She's got a bunch of heels she can then go straight up against. You know, Hader, Deeb, Layla Hirsch, even, you know, Emi Sakura. She's a she's someone who could give her a great match and be, you know, an interesting character foil for her. And 
if they don't go with Rosa, what what does Rosa do? Like she already got beaten for the TNT strap, um, and and she's such a popular person. You don't want someone like that to be left with nothing to do. And whereas Brit, like she can spin off onto her own thing. You know, she can face off against her own team members. Like the stuff that's been happening with Hater, we already had a bit of back and forth with those guys earlier where they teased some dissension. That can that can go into a full-blown rivalry. Britt Baker could even turn face. She pretty much is already. She acts like like she has to act like a heel. She has to cheat because she's put into this position as being a heel, but she's actually super popular and gets cheered, and people love doing her chant. She, they could very easily turn her into a face. Um, and, you know, Jamie Hayter is right there as someone who could absolutely bruise and batter Britt Baker because she's someone who takes a great beating. Um and, and Jamie Hayter is someone who could deal one out and it would be fantastic and it would be a fantastic feud. Um, you know, both, if, if Rosa wins, both have got somewhere to go after this. Uh, so that's who I think wins. I think it's going to be a good match. Uh, I hope they get the time, as I said, and I hope they get a good spot on the card. Moving on to some of the non-title matches. I've, as I said, I wanted to do the two AEW Championship matches first and then we'll talk about the next ones in terms of the... I guess the level's importance uh, on that I've deemed them. Uh, excuse me while I have a quick sip of my whiskey. Whiskey. And let me know in the chats what you think about these matches as I go through. So first one that we've got, first non-title match we're looking at, CM Punk versus MJF. Whoa, boy. This feud, man. This feud has been absolutely legendary they if they can land this plane at the pay-per-view this could like truly be one of the greatest programs of all time like i've always been a proponent of complexity of character in wrestling um someone who i've always been a component a proponent for having layers to characters and the stuff that cody rhodes was doing last year was driving me bananas because everyone was saying it was complex, but it wasn't. It was this weird meta thing, face-heel dynamics all messed up. That's not what I mean by complexity. This program is what I mean by com- when I've talked about complexity in the past. Oh, man, there's so much stuff to chew on in this. Um, the way that it's gone from, at first, the first time these two promoted each other, they were basically like peacocking and dick measuring. Uh, they were basically like seeing who could come up with the best insult. It was really shallow and surface level. But as they've got at each other more and more, they've gradually like worn down the levels and we've seen them wear themselves down to the absolute bare bones of who they are. And they're like questioning and making us question who they are at their core. Like you saw CM Punk, the last two promos they've had, I've just been so insanely intense and good and getting at the core of what these characters are. You've got like MJF as this insecure little boy, which is who he is at his core, right? And he wears all this other stuff on on him as a shell. And he was revealing that and he was revealing the reason for that, but he was still refusing, you know, a week later he refuses to... To, to leave that open. He refuses to leave himself vulnerable. Um, and CM Punk questioning, am I the bad guy here? 
Am I the prick? Because he knows he's a little bit of a prick. He knows he's a spiky little guy. He knows he's someone who's burnt bridges. You know, he knows that he is someone who doesn't get along with some people. And he is questioning himself. Like, his very essence of who he is and, and what he's doing in this promote. You know, he thinks he's on a righteous quest. But now he's questioning. He's like, am I actually on this righteous quest? And I've just signed myself up for a dog collar feud with a guy that I feel sorry for. Oh, that I should feel sorry for? Am I a jerk here? Man, the way that they've gone from like that reality-style shoot promo to that is so great, so so organic, so complex, fantastic stuff. Uh, and, you know, these guys have just got to have a good match. <laughs> like... I think they'll have a great match. If they have a great match, it will be like a legendary thing. To have like one of the best feuds AEW's ever had, one of the best like one or two, two or three feuds AEW's ever had, these guys just have to have a good match. If they have a great match, like this is this is probably the best feud that's ever happened in AEW. Um, this week on Dynamite, man, like I think they they foreshadowed what this match is going to be like. This is going to be an absolute bloodbath. I'm not sure if anyone out there listening has seen the Greg Valentine versus Roddy Piper match. It is one of the roughest watches you'll ever see. If you've got like 20 minutes free um, before this weekend, before Revolution, pop that thing on. It is rough. It is gritty. It is rough. It is gruesome. And that's what they want to emulate, right? Like, that's what that's what Punk said. Be my Valentine. You know, <laughs> be the Val- Greg Valentine to my Roddy Piper. Um, and and they foreshadowed how bloody it's going to be with the the program they had, the, the segment they had on Dynamite, which was just utterly gross but fantastic at the same time. You know, MJF, they both wore white shirts. That was smart. And as soon as I saw... MJF in a white suit and CM Punk in a white shirt. I was like, "Oh, there's about to be some blood happening. <laughs> We're about to get some, about to get some red on white here." And of course, like MJF just battering Punk with the diamond ring, rubbing the blood on his picture on his on his shirt that with the picture of him and Punk. Incredible visual. This this match. I am so ready for this match. I think it's going to be bloody. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be fiery. And as I said, if this is a great match, this is one of the best feuds of all time. Um, And I'm not just talking AEW right now. I'm talking one of the best feuds of all time ever. Any promotion, any country, line them up. This is as good as anything. Um, Who wins? I think it's got to be MJF, right? Like... Sam Punk has won, has, he's beaten enough people going up to this. I think this program is to make MJF. Um, and MJF, I think he's on the road to being the title holder. I think he's probably going to face Hangman at double or nothing. I think that's going to be another fantastic match, and I don't know who's going to win it if it does happen that way. Uh, Punk can take this loss. Uh, I don't know if they want... I mean. In my, in my vision of what AEW is, I don't think Sam Punk is ever the AEW champion. A lot of people will disagree with me on that case, on that, on that, on that's in that way, because Sam Punk is an absolute massive draw. Um, but 
with what AEW is, I just don't want CM Punk to be, uh, to be, oh, my little cat. You can say hello to my cat, Darcy. Hello. What do you think, Darcy? Pop him on my shoulder. Um, let's just get him down. <laughs> Those who are listening in the podcast are like, what the hell is going on? Um, yeah, in, in this version of AEW, the version of AEW that I envisage of what AEW is, I don't think Sam Punk is ever the AEW champion. But, you know, I might be wrong. AEW might be a different promotion to what I am, and who's to say that he shouldn't be the champion if he's drawing the numbers he is and if he is creating feuds like this one. Like, <laughs> he may as well be champion. This is, I mean, this is the probably the hottest feud going on at the moment, right? And Sam Punk is 50% of it. I mean, MJF is more than pulling his own weight as well, but, uh, you know, but I think MJF takes it because I think this is the catapult to get MJF back in the title scene. Uh, and I think he faces the hangman at double or nothing. In, but this match is going to be bloody. It's going to be rough. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Which moves us on to another match that's promising a lot of violence. Oh, I've not been pressing through the slides. Silly me. Silly, silly me. Which brings us to another match. Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. The match about violence. <laughs> Beautiful pro wrestling violence. <laughs> got to say like while i of course i've been lavishing praise on mjf and uh mjf and cm punk of course i've loved the promos for mox and danielson man AEW is turning into a promo promotion right like you have got to be able to cut a hell of a promo to stand out in AEW. it's so funny you still see some of the fucking idiots sorry shouldn't swear that's what I think of them, though. Like, some of the absolute worst people on the internet. Like, I'm talking the absolute dregs. I'm not going to name them. There are... <laughs> the one I'm thinking of right now, his initials are <laughs> also the initials for bullshit, uh, which is what he spouts on a daily basis. <laughs> but, you know, they still say AW is all personality and no... Sorry, all all flippy vanilla midgets. Like, you know, it's still 2019 uh, and Marco Stunt's still on Dynamite. You know, and I love Marco Stunt, don't get me wrong. But, like, how, if you watch a Dynamite today in the last couple of months, the promos have been absolutely insane. And this has been another program that has been delivering with the promos. John Moxley is an absolute poet. He has such an incredible way with words. <laughs> like, the way he talks about it, uh, the way he's talked about this match... Uh, it's just been spine-tingling um, stuff. And both of these guys just look so hungry and so into it. Like, they're both just reveling in what they're able to do right now. Moxley, he looks so motivated. He looks as fresh as he did when he showed up in AEW and, like, breathed that... When he got on those ropes and he, like, breathed in that air, that free air for him being in AEW. He looks like that man all over again. There's just like this hunger in his eyes since he came back. Um, he looks so fresh, and I bet he, he, him and Danielson look like they cannot wait to get stuck into each other. Danielson, he's wrestling like he's Minoru Suzuki. Um, that's something that I, that's a comparison I owe to 
Craig from Pro Wrestling Musings. Thanks for that one. Um, the way he's wrestling statistically is a lot like um, Minoru Suzuki, but his character is shaping up to be like that too. He's just like a guy who murders people and loves doing it. And he's a, but he's someone that people love anyway. <laughs> like the crowd loves Suzuki, the crowd loves Brian Danielson, but he is just a really, really violent person who loves just torturing and stretching people. Um, These guys have been talking a lot about blood and violence, so I expect there to be blood in this match. Um, I wonder what the blood count is going to be in matches, because we've already got, is definitely happening in the dog collar for sure. Britain Rosa, there's a, there's a high chance for that one to have some blood. Paige and Cole, Paige loves a blade job, <laughs> he loves a blade job. This would be his first um, clean title match if he doesn't. Um, and these guys will definitely be bleeding, given what they've been talking about. I expect it to be, like, really technical, though. Um, Moxley, of course, is a brawler, and that's what he's most well-known for. But he loves, like, the Bloodsport-style matches. He's always on the Bloodsport cards. He loves MMA. Uh, and he loves wrestling in that style as well. And that's the kind of style that suits Danielson down to the bone. Um, so I expect them to have that kind of a, like... The strikes are going to be hard, and if he gets opened up, it's going to be with strikes. I don't think there's going to be weapons involved. Um, I think Danielson will probably, like, hard way Moxley or something like Brock Lesnar style, uh, and uh, and that's where the blood's going to come out. Uh, there's going to be lots of submissions. It's going to be really interesting, and that brings me to who I think is going to win. Um, the question I got for um, was from Char at Mox Crew 2021 on Twitter. Really great. If you're a John Moxley fan, she is a really great follow. Massive John Moxley fan. Really positive person to follow. Definitely recommend getting behind her. Um, she said, will the outcome of the Mox Danielson match lead to them teaming up? Uh, and that kind of hints at what my win is going to be. I think John Moxley is going to win. I do think that is going to result in them teaming up. I think he's going to win, but they're both going to have respect for one another. Um, and, and John Moxley winning serves to further their story. Uh, I think it serves to grow the chip that's on Danielson's shoulder. Um, and it's going to build to a day when Danielson stabs him in the back. I think that this would be... that These two having like a dojo would be just a fantastic way to occupy them both. They're two giant stars. Neither of them are going to be in like the title scene anytime soon. Danielson because he would because he's just come out of it. Moxley, because quite frankly, he'd have to win it <laughs> if they put him in it at this point, because the crowd love him so much. Uh, and I don't think I don't think either of them are going to be doing that in 2022, at least. Uh, and, and this is a great high-profile thing for both of them to do, uh, and would give them a chance to work with a bunch of rookies as well. Uh, so I think that would be uh, down in the mid-card, but you know, uplifting the people they're working with. So I think these two teaming up would be a fantastic um, way for, for this program to progress afterwards. Uh, and that brings me to my next question um, from Gareth underscore EU from Eno Wrestling, another great mate on Twitter. What if after Mox beats Danielson, Daniel Garcia hits the ring and starts beating up Mox and then Danielson joins in and Shota Umino comes to the rescue. Shooter, what would happen? And I said, you'll. I think my response would be, I think I said on Twitter, you'll probably hear me from the UK if that happens. Uh, of course, Shota Umino was the the young lion that John Moxley sort of partnered uh, partnered with in 
when he was in New Japan in the G1. Uh, he they had a match at Dominion in 2019. John Moxley beat him pretty clean, pretty easily, and pretty quickly in like four or five minutes. But Shota Amino got a chance to like have a, have a couple shots in there. He was at the time like the number one young lion over there. And <laughs> he must have earned, he earned John Mox did enough to earn John Moxley's respect because he then became like Moxley's second as he went through the G one and he entered with Moxley carried his championship eventually like they they ended up with like a really heartwarming bond where like partway through Shota started wearing a jacket that Moxley had given him um, that said Mox on the back and to this day so Shota Umino left New Japan went on it to go on excursion that's what the young lions do uh, and has adopted the na- nickname Shooter, which is what John Moxley called him uh, and continues to like note the fact that John Moxley was his um, is he one of his mentors uh, and that and so one day these guys are going to cross paths one, down the line and if that was to happen he's in the Shota Umino's in the UK at the moment so he can definitely fly across if they wanted to do that Bloody hell, that'd be fantastic. I'd love that. I love Shota Amino in, in New Japan, and I loved his partnership with Moxley. So, you know, bring that on. If it, if it happens, I'd love that. Moving on, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Um, the first thing I'll say about this one is, I am sorry, Chris Jericho. <laughs> uh, I was one of the people that was busy writing Chris Jericho off towards the end of last year. I didn't like him as a face. I didn't like the stuff he did with... Um, he was doing with uh, American Top Team. I hated the promos he was cutting. Uh, I thought he came across as smug and gross, and I thought his act was wearing thin. Uh, I should have remembered that's Chris Jericho. <laughs> this is a guy who, I, like, I don't think he reinvents himself quite the way we give him. Like, he he gets credit for sometimes, but he is a guy who just knows how to make a couple of tweaks, just changes a couple of dials. And all of a sudden, he's relevant again. You know, in this case, it's been he's turning heel again, which is he's always been best as a heel. His character just works best as a heel because he's a like he's a bit of a ultimately the kind of guy that Chris Jericho is. He's a bit of a rock star. He's a bit up himself. He thinks he's pretty good, and so leaning into that as his character has always worked best for him. Uh, and he's lost a bit of weight. Good on him for that. Uh, and of course. He is working against the most overface in the company, which can't help, can't help but hurt. I uh, can't hurt but help. <laughs> he, I'm so glad they turned this into a heel versus face thing as well because Chris Jericho just cannot get, no one can get cheered against Eddie Kingston. Jer- CM Punk, RCM Punk, first big feud of the of his um, return up against Eddie Kingston gets booed. <laughs> Uh, and that would have happened to Chris Jericho, but now he's leaning into it. It's fantastic. Um, and I hope Jericho goes back to like his 2018 New Japan brawling style, like the kind of brawls that he had with Tetsuya Naito um, in 2018 and then at the Tokyo Dome in 2019. Uh, I'd, I think... I, oh, I just heard some cats going at it. Not my cats, though, so that's okay. I've got the window open in here because it's a bit hot, and I just heard some craziness happening outside. Um, yeah, the kind of bra- I would love to see Chris Jericho have the kind of brawl that uh, he had with Tetsuya Naito uh, against Eddie Kingston. I think Eddie Kingston would just thrive in that sort of environment uh, and in that sort of match. Uh, and I think 
sort of the the X factor in this one is um, what does Santana and Ortiz do? Um, given the segment they had on Dynamite where you know Chris Jericho was getting interviewed and Santana and Ortiz came in, they sort of gave each other a grudging fist bump. You know, uh, are they on Chris Jericho's side? Are they on Eddie Kingston's side? Who knows? I think they'll probably play into the finish. Um, the question I got for this one was from All Elite Aotrea, another great follow on Twitter from New Zealand, um, one of my Kiwi brothers. Will we finally get an Eddie Kingston pay-per-view win? Because, of course, Eddie Kingston does nothing but lose on pay-per-view. Uh, and that's been the story of him in AEW so far. So will we finally get an Eddie Kingston pay-per-view win? Hell yeah! <laughs> Eddie Kingston, 2020, 2022 is his year, baby. No, I think seriously. Um, I think this is this the dynamic here has been set up perfectly for Eddie Kingston's first big win. Like Chris Jericho, like dialing up the arrogance, dialing up the fact that you know he does have a far more impressive history in the industry than Eddie Kingston, dialing up the fact that. He's in better shape than Eddie Kingston right now. Uh, dialing up just the levels of smugness that he carries naturally. And um, it, it sets up Eddie Kingston perfectly to overcome, right? Like the crowd is going to be so behind Eddie Kingston by the time this happens. And they're going to want Eddie to win. And I think he does win. And it also, it just doesn't make sense for... Jericho to win? Like, what does Jericho do if he wins? And what happens to Eddie if he loses? Like, does Jericho go on to... I guess Jericho could have, like, a big feud with someone like Sam Punk. I don't personally want to watch that. I'm sure people would, though. Um, but as a heel, like, he has a lot that he could do. He could go and have... Like, he could finally have a program with Sammy Guevara. I'm sure there's, like, there's meat on that bone, right? They've got a massive history in AEW. Uh, and they could definitely get stuck into things. And we never got a proper breakup of the inner circle with those two. Uh, and that was a, a program that I think people were looking, were sort of penciled in. So we could we could get that uh, if he turned heel. He could, uh, you know, go and work with some of the the other four, the other pillars. He's got he's got beef with he's got history and beef with um, guys like Darby Allen. Uh, he's got history with Jungle Boy, of course, uh, and and you know he could build on stuff that he's done with the Killers, so to speak, with like your Daniel Gus, um, maybe not Daniel Gus here because he's also a heel, but uh, like Dante Martin, Hook, man, Eddie, King, Chris Jericho and Hook, that would be hilarious. That would actually be fantastic. The influencer versus the actual coolest thing in AEW. <laughs> um, I don't know if Hook's ready for that. Looks that sort of level of of feud right now, but you know he. Did it with Orange Cassidy, so who knows? Um, yeah, I think I think this is Eddie Kingston's. I think Eddie Kingston is set up for big things in 2022, and that starts with him getting his first AEW pay per view win against a former champion, against Chris Jericho. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, so moving along in the card, moving on to Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Champions. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one, right? Like, I feel like it's very cold. <laughs> They've had two really good matches in the last two weeks, which has sort of heated things up. And, of course, th having Red Dragon and the Bucks in there, given, like, the tension that's been shown between those two teams, uh, has been it is a, is a smart move. But I also think it's... <laughs> Someone in the chat 
DV in the chat said, QT Marshall always sending people to get hook. It's actually hilarious. It is hilarious. It is. Um, but as I was saying, Dracus, Jurassic Express uh, versus Red Dragon versus the Bucks. I feel like Jurassic Express are like really the third wheel in this more than, you know, more than any other time they've been in, in like a tag team feud. They feel really extra and really tacked onto a, a feud that the, the Bucks and the Red Dragon are having. Um, I've no doubt this is going to be a great match. Like you look at the people that are in it, how could they not? I it's the Bucks always bring things on pay, bring it on pay per view. Uh, for Red Dragon, this is their first ever pay per view, um, pay per view appearance for AEW, and of course Jurassic Express. This is their champions at the moment. They're going to want to make a make a statement. And there's lots of character and story stuff for them to play with, of course, between Red Dragon and the Bucks. Bucks and Jurassic Express have got beef as well. They've they've been going back and forth for quite a while. So, you know, there's lots of stuff for these guys to play with and, and set up. The Bucks are absolute masters of setting things up. I don't normally like a uh, triple a triple threat tag team match. Uh, it's kind of clunky and awkward in the way that it works where, like, the people can be tagged in. Um, like, opposite teams can tag themselves in. Um, that's kind of weird to me. Um, there was a great, uh, like, there's a great thing where um, someone's like, "Is it possible for the two members of a team to pin each other?" So one one member, like Nick Jackson, pins Matt Jackson, and if that happens, do the Bucks then actually just win? Because uh, one of the young Bucks won, <laughs> got the pinfall, uh, and you know that's possible in this kind of thing because this is a logically flawed match, but. Because it's got the Young Bucks in it, I believe they can make it amazing because the Young Bucks are friggin' wrestling geniuses. Um, but yeah, as I said, lots of stuff to, to play off. In terms of who's going to win, I, I think uh, it's... I, I've immediately put a line through the Bucks. I don't think they're going to win it. I don't think there's much... I, there's, I don't think there's much point of them becoming tag team champions again. They are the highest profile team, of course, in the tag team division, but they literally cleared out the division six months ago, uh, so there's not much point in them in them doing that again. Red Dragon, or which leaves Red Dragon or Jurassic Express, for me, this all depends on Kenny Omega's health. Um, if they, if Kenny Omega's healthy, I think they will transition from this into a full-blown Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus the Elite the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega feud. And that would be a hell of a way to kick off a trios division if there is going if there is going to be a trios division. If not, um, so if, if that's the case, of course, Jurassic Express will get the win. I really think, though, that if that's not the case, I really think Red Dragon have a strong chance. They've made a debut. They've de- recently debuted. They're a strong team. Uh, they... They've got this partnership with Adam Cole, who's a person that they that obviously AEW is featuring in a big spot. I think Red Dragon are within a shout, but my, my pick is Jurassic Express with Red Dragon and the Young Bucks sort of costing each other, and then that feeding into the tension in the main event, which will be, uh, yeah, sets it'll, it'll set things up nicely for that. Um, so moving along. We'll keep getting through these. Um, we've got a f- three matches to go now, uh, and then some, just some other questions that got asked on Twitter um, in the meantime uh, when I post up if there was questions. So we've got Tay Conti versus Jade Cargill. Uh, Jade Cargill has been getting better and better every week. I think she will be an incredible face by double or nothing. 
um, or maybe later in the year, but I think at some point she's going to be a fantastic face. A few, a few weeks ago, she did a spot where she was doing push-ups in the ring and the crowd was was counting with her. Um, just those kinds of things are things that get you over. Uh, and she's got great offense, and people love cheering for someone who's winning and someone who's dominant. I don't think Tay Conti's got a chance in hell here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Tay Conti is generally pretty good in matches. Jade Cargill, of course, is quite green, can be hit and miss. Um, Tay Conti is, as I said, generally good, but she does have a stinker every now and again. I don't think these guys are going to get much time looking at the card, which is a shame because it could be a really good match. You know, I think the best they can hope for is like maybe eight minutes, which to be fair, given Jade Cargill's in it, is probably a good time for them to have. Uh, I hope it doesn't get become the the, the piss break, but it could end up being that. Just looking at all of the matches we've got here. Um, yeah, as I said, Jade's probably definitely going to win this. Um, I'd, very, I'd be very surprised if Tay Conti won it. Uh, and yeah, I think I think Jade Cargill's going to be a face sooner rather than later um, because people like getting behind that and they will love getting behind this undefeated streak that she's got going on. Been going for an hour. My voice is doing well, guys. Doing well. Moving along. Face of the revolution. <laughs> if you're looking on... um, I, I like the last two slides I've got. If you're looking on YouTube, I have the, the clip of Jade kissing Tay Conti on the forehead, which I thought was hilarious, um, on Rampage last week. And then for the face of the revolution, I've just got the sonic ring, <laughs> the giant gold sonic ring that they hung above the rope, the, the thing. I hope they do that again. I really do. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. And uh, I, I hope they do it again. Keith Lee, <coughs> Keith Lee, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Orange Cassidy, Ethan Page, and Christian Cage. I would love to know the combined weight of this and how it compares to um, other multi-man <laughs> singles, other other multi-man ladder matches that have happened in like the WWE and like the Money in the Bank ones. I think I remember one year they had Mark Henry in the Big Show in one of those, which would probably tip the scales in the favor of that, but. Man, there's some, there's some big boys in this one. But it is big boys who aren't afraid to, like, throw themselves around. Like, you look at Keith Lee, he'll probably be doing a moonsault off the top of a ladder or something insane uh, in this one. Uh, and if they aren't throwing themselves around, they will absolutely throw their other competitors around. I'm wondering if we will get, like, a powerbomb sequence where you have Keith Lee and Wardlow, like, trying to out-powerbomb each other, where it goes, like, first, say, Ricky Starks and Orange Cassidy, they're the two that they do, uh, and they try and do that, uh, and then they it gets to slightly bigger ones, you then get Ethan Page and Christian Cage, and they both do that, and then they both, like, try and powerbomb Powerhouse Hobbs, or something along those lines. I, I wonder if that's going to be a spot that happens in it, because, um, of course, Keith Lee does a great powerbomb, uh, and Wardlow, the powerbomb symphony is becoming, like, almost a trademark move for him. In fact, I, I, I'm interested to know if Keith Lee's going to keep the spirit bomb as a move, given that Wardlow seems to be, you know, making that that sort of thing, his his thing, so to speak. Um, I, I did think it was interesting that Christian Cage is in this face the revolution um, 
face the revolution match. Um, you know, I guess turning back the clock to his TLC days, uh, it's interesting to see. Uh, I was surprised when I saw his name in it. He's, he is a ring general though. Um, so he's the kind of guy that can like, I guess, keep things on track with, you know, all the insane beef that's going to be flying about the ring. And then you've got Ricky Starks and orange Cassie and Ethan page, Ethan page also noted psychopath. Um, so we'll probably do something mental. I wonder who's going to do the, uh, going to do like the biggest spot. Uh, my bet would be on Ricky Starks, I think, or maybe Orange Cassidy. Um, that would be my picks for who's going to do the like the most insane ladder spot. But all these people, I mean, every wrestler is a psychopath, really, when it comes to pain. <laughs> they they all put themselves through absolute intolerable amounts of pain and, and agony and and risk in their life. Um, but yeah, look, I think I think it's probably going to be Ricky Starks in terms of who wins. Um, it really depends what they want to do with the TNT title. Uh, if they want to change the title, um, which is very possible, I, I don't think that's a 50-50. I think they give it to Keith. They give this to Keith Lee. He wins it. He goes and becomes the TNT title holder, and it would be good for the winner to actually go on to win it. Um, so far, things like Casino Royales, um, have, they haven't had the best def- winning rate. Of course, Hangman Page won a won something similar to this, um, a Casino ladder match to to get the match against Kenny Omega at full gear, which he went on to win. But, you know, the one last year that Scorpio Sky won, he he didn't win when he challenged for the TNT title. So it'd be kind of cool if they did that. If they just want a once-off challenger, I think Ricky Starks would be a great challenger for Sammy Guevara. They could have a great match. They'd have great, you know, they'd have fantastic promos. Even just the fact that Ricky Starks, the start of his music says the revolution will be televised and this is the face of the revolution. Um, and, of course, Ricky Starks has the FTR championship. So, you know, they, he could say, and Semi Guevara is currently carrying around two belts. He could say something, uh, um, you know, say something like the fact that they want to, you know, he's, he, he's going to be the real two-belt champion or something like that. And, of course, Wardlow would be the other guys who you'd throw in there with a shout, um, you know, if they wanted to pull the trigger on him and MJF, um, if he wins it, I'm going to probably suggest MJF loses the match that he's in, um, if Wardlow wins. Um, but I, I think that's more of an outside shot because I don't think that rivalry needs this face the revolution thing to, to really kick off. Whereas someone like Keith Lee or Ricky Starks or, you know, even Orange Cassidy, Ethan Page, they could massively benefit from winning it. Which moves us on to the last match we're talking about. Sting, Darby, and Semi Guevara versus Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy in a Tornadoes trio match. Um, I did get a question. What do you think of the TNT Championship not being defended? I find it strange that Sammy is in a trios match. Uh, I'm, not as, I'm not as down on that as some people. Uh, this is not the first time that the TNT Championship hasn't been defended at pay-per-view. It's been... You know, it has been at some pay-per-views, but not all of them. Um, it has been more of like a TV title than anything else. Uh, and you know what? This match is probably going to kick ass. Even though the build to it, the the Hardy family office is an absolute joke. And the sooner that Jeff, the sooner that Jeff Hardy shows up and blows this whole thing up, hopefully, the better. Um, but you know what? With Darby Allen, Semi Guevara, and Andrade in the ring. 
Um, and Sting, Sting's great. And Isaiah Kennedy, of course, as well. Uh, I don't think they can help but have a fantastic match, particularly with Tornado rules. Like, this is just going to be chaos. There's going to be people flying everywhere. There's going to be bodies everywhere. I expect Sammy and Darby to do something nuts. Um, I think Darby, Sammy, and Sting are going to win. They're the obvious winners for this. Um, but I think this is underrated. It's been underpromoted. Um and, you know, the stories going in has been a bit of a joke. It is a shame that Sammy, as the TNT title holder, is sort of sidelined a little bit and, and in a bit of a nothing feud at the moment. But that's the way it is. He'll have a great match, you know, in a couple weeks' time when he defends it against Keith Lee or Ricky Starks, <laughs> uh, who, whoever wins the Face of the Revolution match. Uh, but as I said, look, I expect this to be a lot of fun, uh, and, and the pe- with, particularly with the people that are in it. Uh, which gets us to the end of all the questions I've got. Um, so thank you to the people who, who sent in questions and thank you for the people who've listened in to the match previews I've got. If you've got anything you'd like to say, drop it in the chat. I do just have another couple other questions I'll get through before we wrap things up tonight. Um, so I, I put out a call on Twitter. I've been going through some of the questions. Some of the questions didn't really relate to a match specifically. So I'll just go through them now. Um Lafroy whiskey, man. It's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Um, Rambone Slam Pig said, what match do you think will most outperform expectations? This is an interesting question because, honestly, I think expectations are pretty high for this card. Everyone is super hyped. Um, And and so, like, you know, I think, like, match the night's probably going to... The match I think I'm going to enjoy the most will probably be Danielson Moxley or Punk MJF, but... I'd hardly say that like expectations for those are low. Um, I don't think they, I think they're going to be great matches, but the expectation right now is that it's going to be a great match. So, you know, expectation wise, I'd say maybe Cole Hangman, uh, you know, it's been a, a little on the quieter side, although it's not been like completely hidden. I think it's a big deal match and it's going to main event. Um, I guess thinking about it, Probably the tag match that we're talking about before. You've got Sting, you've got Darby Allen, you've got Sammy Guevara, you've got Andrade, you've got Isaiah Kennedy. Like, that's some serious working talent. These guys are probably going to have 10 minutes. It's tornado rules. It's probably going to be mental. It's probably going to be so much fun. Um, So I think that's going to be the match that will most outperform expectations because expectations for it are so low and you've got such great wrestlers in there and a setting that will allow them to, you know, just have 10 minutes of absolutely mental fun. Second question from Rambone. Do you think we get a Kenny Omega appearance or will this be his first pay-per-view without him completely? Uh, I'd love to see Kenny. I'd love to know what's up. He's been posting a lot on Twitter. There was a fantastic interview that someone posted with him where he um, was talking about his injury and his rehab and his recovery. Um, Yeah, it was fantastic to see, and I hope he is getting better. I don't think we'll see him. Uh, If we do, it would be, uh, I imagine it would be like an interview segment. I don't think they cloud the main event by having him in it. Um, you know what? That's based purely on hunch, really, than anything else. Uh, I haven't seen anything out there about him. Who knows? Maybe it will happen. If it does, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy either way. Um, it is kind of it is kind of sad that he's missing his first pay per view. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's who the other guys are that haven't missed a pay per view. The Young Bucks would obviously be one. Uh, you know. I I'm actually I actually think they might be the only ones. That's an interesting thing for someone to go back and check. I'll um, just check in the chat. No one's no one's mentioning in the chat. I think the Young Bucks might be the only ones. Um, 
I'm just thinking about Chris Jericho is probably there too. I can't remember a pay-per-view that Chris Jericho wasn't part of. Um, so that might be the other answer. Hangman Page wasn't in All Out. Yeah, look, Young Bucks and Chris Jericho, potentially the, the last man standing. I wonder who the who the last person will be um, out of those two, who the first one out of those two to miss a pay-per-view. Uh, wrestling Banana, fantastic Twitter account. I love the fact that there's a Wrestling Banana. Um, what if Johnny Gargano comes out after Adam Cole versus Hangman Page? Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, it's funny. I don't think they need to. Like, it's interesting. I feel like this pay-per-view, and I probably should have said this earlier, this pay-per-view is so hyped, right? Um, and, and AEW does feel like it's riding, riding a bit of a wave right now. Uh, the kind of wave that it had back in All Out was very much generated by, like, the return of crowds. They were, of course, peaking a number of stories, but you also got, like, the euphoric debuts of CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, which really, like, I, ha- I think helped crest the popularity there. Whereas now, it's... Of course, you have had a couple of debuts, like your Keith Lees, um, your Brody Kings, but I feel like the, the, the wave they're riding now is more of their own narrative making you know it's through the effort they've put into like hangman pages title run the mjf cm punk feud the stuff that moxley's doing right now with danielson um it's more built with tv and with the stories they're creating and the characters that they're building which is a good thing to see um because you can't always debut guys like CM Punk and Brian Danielson. There's very few other people in the world of wrestling that have the the sort of cachet and the sort of audience investment those guys have got. So you can't just constantly be debuting people on that level. Um, it's impossible. But a good wrestling promotion should be climaxing because they've built it. Um, they've built it themselves through the characters, through the stories, through the matches. Um, and that's been a really good thing to see. Um if Johnny Gargano comes out after Adam Cole vs. Hammer Page, that would be awesome. It'd be a big deal. Um, I'm not the biggest Johnny Gargano fan ever, but I'd be stupid to think that he's not talented. Like he's had a lot of great matches, uh, a lot, and I've enjoyed watching him a lot. Um, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't completely blow my mind. Like I wouldn't be complete. It's not like it's not like John Moxley debuting for me, but I know there's some people out there who Johnny Gargano is a huge deal for, and they've invested a huge amount of emotional energy into, um, who would love to see Johnny Gargano. So, you know, if he turns up, that's fantastic, and he would just be another great addition to the AEW roster. And you know what? He'd be a great person for Hangman Page to bulldoze over as he bulldozes over another of the NXT, former NXT champions. <laughs> Um, last question, um, uh, from DL Harris. Here's a question, but since it's, um, not specifically related to the pay-per-view, it doesn't have to be part of your preview. Well, it is DL Harris. You're the last question. Good luck. Who eats pins in the house of black? (laughs) No one eats pins in the house of black. They always win. No, um, I don't know. I don't think it really matters. Honestly, probably not going to be pinning Brody King a whole lot. Um, I don't think they're going to be losing a whole lot, to be honest. The House of Black, uh, as a unit, I don't think they're going to be losing a whole lot. Look, if they're doing a trios match, um, then Buddy Matthews is the obvious answer, but I don't think they're going to be losing a whole lot because I think they're a team that's going to be built up quite a bit, be it as trios, be it as a tag team of two. 
um, you know, or you know, be it Malachi Black having a run in the singles division at some point. All of those things would be great. But that brings me to the end of this podcast. Look, if you've been sticking with me for the whole time, I really appreciate it. Thank you to the people who've watched live on YouTube. I appreciate that as well. Um, I love doing this podcast. It's a lot of work, don't get me wrong. And there has been times where I've been like, is the juice worth the squeeze here? Um, you know, like when I'm editing something at 11.30 at night and I've got to go to work the next day. But I really enjoy the conversations we have here. I really enjoy the engagement that we're getting. And I think this is a podcast that is doing something different. There are, of course, other match match guide style podcasts that do something similar to what I do. In fact, I basically copied some of them. Um, but there's no one else in AEW that's like contextualizing things historically the way that we do here. Uh, and I love having the conversations I do with the people that jump on the podcast. And I love that people listen, and I love that people engage with it and seem to appreciate what we're doing. Um, so thank you so much for being a part of this. As I said, if this podcast is received well, I've enjoyed doing it. Um, it might be good to get a guest on because my throat is getting parched. Um, but, uh, if um, yeah, if if this is well received, I, I may continue this and do this for Double or Nothing as well. The week before Double or Nothing, do uh, a, re- a review, a preview podcast. Um, not, I don't think I'll do a review of the pay per view because at some point we'll probably be reviewing the matches that happen on this pot on on this card down the line. As I said, keep your eyes peeled for the second iteration of the of the AEW match guide that we'll be covering from the end from the dynamite after double or nothing the events after double or nothing 2021 to double or nothing 2022 um so you know all those great matches that they had um in all out at grand slam full gear um in the lead up to both of them all you know lots of incredible matches that we'll be looking to to put in their place in a new list a new countdown and then of course reviewing them on the AW Match Guide podcast, I've already got a few people who've been jumping in the DMs and being like, "Hey, hey, hey! I'd love to love to talk to you about CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. Love to talk to you about Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega." I don't know why I'm getting into that accent. I should probably stop. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that will that will be happening. That will definitely be happening. And coming up next week on the podcast, I've got a special guest, Kari Taro. Um, and we are talking about Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega from Full Gear 2020, the stored tale that is. Uh, and she's someone that we had a great time talking about this this uh, rivalry. It's a story that is near and dear to my heart. It's a story near and dear to her heart. Um, so, you know, you're getting two fans who are bang into it. But that's all I've got for tonight. That will be next week. If you've enjoyed what we do, as I said at the start, you can rate and review it on your podcast app of choice. I would really appreciate if you put some reviews in. Um, That would absolutely make my day. Uh, And you can also donate to either the AW Match Guide directly or the Social Suplex Podcast Network in total uh, on redcircle.com. You can go there and do that there. Uh, And that just helps us pay the bills, helps us pay for the bandwidth that gets used and, uh, you know, maybe down the line some a new mic or... Maybe I get a backdrop. Who knows? And you won't need to stick it, stare at my uh, <laughs> my weights and my guitar and my my beach hat <laughs> while I'm doing a podcast. But look, I've been Sam Brown. 
You can follow me on Twitter, Sir underscore Samuel. It's been a pleasure to have you with me tonight, uh, and I look forward to hearing, seeing you again next week. And I hope you enjoy our revolution. It's going to be a great pay-per-view. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Uh, and I hope we all have a great weekend of enjoying wrestling. Um, so until we meet again, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next week.